Thank you for joining us today. Welcome. Uh, do you feel like you fully understand what your purpose is? Anyone here ever have a job before and you didn't really understand everything about that job? Your boss or your manager started getting mad at you for things that you didn't know you were supposed to be doing? It can be really frustrating in a job or even uh, if you're a student and you have a project and you don't really know exactly what you're supposed to do, it can be so frustrating when you feel like you don't know what you're doing. And in life, I feel like that's kind of where we're all at. That's why so many people want to know what their purpose is because you, you just feel like it would bring about so much more clarity in how you should live as a person, what you should do. And so today's message is titled, It's My Job. Some would say, it's my job. It's my job. It's my job. And if you've ever been a parent before uh, and you've had a teenager in your home at some point, and there's a point where people just start, especially teenagers. I've been told that teenagers are God's way of showing us what it's like for a person created in our own image to rebel against us. <laughs> and if you've ever had a scenario, maybe you've seen one on TV or on a movie, where they say, well, why do you have to tell me what to do? Or why do, you, why do we have these rules? And then the, the parent says, it's my job. It's my job. I'm a mom. It's my job to know. Anyone ever hear that before? Yeah? Got some involved parents there? You know, we get so burnt out sometimes because we don't clearly understand what our responsibilities are in our lives. Think about how many times you became frustrated over something that you didn't know you were expected to do. I hope that today it helps all of us get guided and know better and understand God's calling for your life. And we're going to look at a story in Genesis about the story of Joseph. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, it it starts the story off with Joseph having a dream. And it says, One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. <laughs> you have something you ever wanted to do in life, and everybody else was mad that you tried? It says, One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Maybe you've had a dream before when you were a kid and you had this idea that you wanted to be an astronaut or you wanted to be the president. Any, any presidential people when they were kids? You got one in the back? Person wanted to rule the world? Anyone else? Anyone here wanted to be a school teacher? Anyone? Got a couple there? Yeah? Veterinarian? Anyone? Oh, oh yeah, me, she says. Okay. Someone wanted to be a president and a veterinarian. That's powerful stuff. It's funny that um, when we feel like this calling in our lives, think about when you get older and you start thinking about what you have to do in your life. And, and then all of a sudden you mix in being a Christian too. And it's like, well, things just got a lot more complex. Before I thought I knew what I wanted to do, but now that Christ is involved or God is involved, it's like, well, maybe there's supposed to be something different. Like, I've just grazed the surface. I remember one time when I was a youth pastor, I asked uh, a student what he wanted to do when he grew up. And he said, well, I'll tell you this. Before I gave my life to Christ, it was a very selfish thing. I just wanted to be an NBA player. I wanted to be a famous NBA player, and, but not anymore. And that was all about me. That's not what I want anymore. Now, I want to be a Christian NBA player. <laughs> So that way, as I'm making shots, getting scores, and becoming famous, I'll be able to point to God all the way. It's like, wow, man. God has really changed your life. <laughs> That's awesome. And I think everybody has this idea, especially in our American culture, of being blessed. When it comes to being a Christian, like God calls us to be blessed. And we even did a whole series... Uh, a whole a sermon about the the false idea of being blessed and how uh, a lot of those ideas of being blessed is more so about selfish desires than it is about um, the true spiritual idea of being blessed. But 
Let's look at that simple aspect of being blessed. You ever hear, hear someone do a humble brag before? It's where it's like, man, I'm so blessed that I get to be in charge of everybody at work. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, I, I love watching uh, like preachers on Instagram, and they're, like, they have the coolest quotes, like, so blessed to be on Fox News right now. <laughs> it's like, man, that is, that is a blessing. Or, uh, it, it's just funny at the different levels of how we idealize being blessed and what that is. And when we see other people, quote-unquote, being blessed, we start thinking, like, well, I want some of that blessing too. It makes me think about the story of Joseph because I feel like we can all relate. We have a dream, and sometimes it feels like it's us against the world. Everybody hates us even more because of what we want to do, because we want to make a difference. And especially the moment you become a Christian, it's like this idea of your purpose being your blessing. Your purpose is your blessing, and what you do in your life is in turn going to be the blessing of your life. And in the story of Joseph, one thing that we can see that I remember, I, I never saw it like this until my wife pointed it out one time, is that being blessed consistently translates to receiving more responsibility. Think about a kid. Anyone here ever pray for a child? We, me and my wife, we prayed for our baby for three years. And we were so ready to be parents. And I had an idea before of what a parent would consist of. Okay, I've hung out with kids. I've been a youth pastor. I've seen babies in movies and, and television. I've seen a magazine or two where there's a baby in it. I've read people say that babies eat, sleep, and poop. I can do that. I was even texting Brandon last night. I said, I had no idea what I was getting into. <laughs> Not only does this baby eat, sleep, and poop, but it wants to eat, sleep, and poop a certain way. Anyone that's ever had to take care of a child, you don't just feed it. It's ridiculous. You have to literally position them in correct ways that they feel like that day. And I don't know about you, but I'm very robotic sometimes. There's people who dance and people who don't dance. And I'm just blessed to not be able to dance. That's how God made me. I was not given the spirit of rhythm. And I'm a, like very robotic into where it's like I do it this way until there needs to be a change. And then I'll try another way. Well, with a baby, it's not like that at all from what at least our child has been. It's like she wants to be, it's almost like she wants to be upside down or, you know, turned around or I don't even know if she's hungry or if she's just mad at me, if she needs emotional support. I don't know what this kid needs. And that's just feeding. If she's gassy, oh my gosh. Why is it my fault? I didn't do that to you. That was your mom. She ate the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> She, she gets so mad, and, and then when she's tired, it, do, it still just does not make sense to me that when a baby is tired, they yell more. I, I never thought that you actually have to put a baby to sleep. I thought, like, just like a, a normal creature, once you get tired, you just fall asleep, right? No. With a baby, you have to put them to sleep. I, I, I like to I idealize myself as being a masculine person, but I feel like I lose a lot of that once I'm bouncing on a yoga ball for 30 minutes, making all kinds of noises I would never make in, in any other scenario. Shh, 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 shh. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> I've made so many songs out of words. No, 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 no. Don't cry, don't cry, little baby. And this is just to put this creature to sleep. And it's, it's so funny to me that this blessing that I've prayed for for so long is so much tremendous responsibility. More responsibility than I could ever realize or imagine. I literally thought I was ready three years ago. And I was, now that I'm here, I'm like, God, thank you so much. <laughs> that you waited three years, because I don't think I would have been ready. And let me read you all this story in, in Joseph, what happens to him. His brothers hate him so much because of his, his dreams and his visions. And he's the favorite out of his kids. The Bible shows that 
parents have favorites sometimes. Joseph was a favorite. And it says in Genesis chapter 39, verse 1 through 6, this is after his brothers were going to kill him and they ended up selling him to some Egyptian people after all. And the story goes, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was persuaded, or sorry, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake, and all his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and his livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing, except what, he, what kind of food to eat. Sounds like a baby. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. <laughs> I love that, that end, right? It's like the epitome of blessed. Given <laughs> all these new responsibilities, did, did everyone like him at work? But he's also handsome and good-looking and well-built. It's like, man, that's... That's what I want right there. I want to be blessed. <laughs> I want it all, man. That sounds perfect. And what's so funny is that it, it took, I, I mean, it took me years to realize until the moment that my wife showed me in Scripture, Joseph was a slave. He wasn't paid for anything. And it, it, it was saying that he was blessed and that he was, he was responsible for the guy that was getting paid. He started taking on extra responsibilities without receiving anything from it. Anyone here ever have experienced or heard someone talk about getting a new position at work and they turn it down because, well, that's not coming with more money. That's a lot more work with not enough pay. That's a lot of responsibility. I don't want that. I'm just, I just want to stay with what I'm doing and get paid more. And so many times we turn down those blessings in disguise because they come in this weird label of responsibility. But here the, the Bible is showing us a clear illustration. A slave that's not getting paid anything who is serving to the best of his abilities. Is that not loving your enemy, right? Anyone here ever hate their boss? <laughs> hate their professor? Hate, hate, maybe, maybe you wouldn't use that word hate, but you really strongly dislike your family sometimes. Maybe you've, you, you don't like the, the spouse that you have currently. <laughs> You're getting constantly frustrated because they're doing things wrong. You want them to do things a different way to where it's serving you. You're like, man, they're just always thinking about themselves. They need to put away their bowl at the end of the night. They need to do this. They need to do that. They should be making me lunch. I can't believe I'm making my own dang sandwiches like an animal. It's funny how we think sometimes, right? And here... It's showing that Joseph was blessed because he was willing to take more responsibility. Would that mean, could it be possible that when our prayers are answered, it's not that we're waiting for them to be answered, but they're already answered, and that a huge responsibility is connected to it. And perhaps that have already been answered that we're waiting for are being, are being held back or being prepared is a better word so that we can handle the responsibility of it first. I remember when, when I first married my wife, she's a little bit older than me. I always say that because it makes me sound more mature. And I remember I had an idea of what marriage was like. I thought it was going to be just like smooth and 
enjoyable, which it is, but those of y'all who are married, I feel like we all get a little bit of the unexpected once we tie the knot. And all of a sudden you move in together and you're like, does she really leave her brush out like this? Does he really not rinse the sink after shaving? You start noticing all these little things. You're like, oh, okay. So I'm just supposed to clean this. They never said anything to you, but you just start taking on those false expectations. Like, okay, I see why they did this. All right, I'm okay. And it's so funny because the longer you get, you've been married, the more you learn about the responsibility of marriage. And that marriage is about sacrifice. That marriage is about putting the other person before yourself. And when you become a parent, that's like, like a whole nother level. You have to put that baby, that child above your own needs. I mean, I, my wife is hardcore because she has to feed that baby like every couple hours in the night. I mean, I'm tired, yeah. Like, I hear her cry and I pretend I'm asleep. But I don't have to actually like fully wake up and, and nurse the baby back to sleep. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, that's a whole nother level of sacrifice. It's a whole nother level of responsibility. And it's crazy that she, was, she prayed for that baby. She prayed for that blessing. And I want you to think to yourself, what, what is it that you've really been praying for? What is the, the blessing that you had in mind? And do you really think that you'd be ready for the responsibility? I mean, think about even, and I'm sharing just my personal stories just because that's what I got. I mean, even just starting this church, I didn't imagine, like, I had an idea of the responsibilities, but man, I was, I was still surprised at how much greater the weight is of being, uh, being responsible of even this, let alone a child, let alone my marriage, any job, and... What, what I would say is instead of thinking about your blessing being on hold, instead of thinking that your blessing isn't answered, what if the only thing that's waiting on it is your level of responsibility and maturity, your readiness to receive it? Y'all dig what I'm saying? Maybe it's not that the, the, this side of the coin is so burnt, that this side of the bread is so burnt, but maybe it's, it's that you're just, you're just not ready to chew on it. Y'all dig that? And you really have to have a retrospect of, of the situation. Take a different perspective of what you're waiting on. And if you were in Joseph's shoes, would you really serve your, your slave master? You just got, you lost your whole family. Would you really be? And imagine what he's thinking in the back of his head the whole time. Man, I had a dream. I knew what I wanted to do, and now I can't do it. And yet, it leads us to our next point, and it's making mud pies. Look at your neighbor and say, making mud pies. Making mud pies. I like the idea of making mud pies because it's being in just a really ugly situation, a puddle of mud, and making the best out of it. I think it's even better than saying making... Lem lemonade out of lemons <laughs> because sometimes you're in a situation that there's no sugar to it <laughs> there's no di diluting the water <laughs> there's no diluting the sourness of your situation and so like you're just in this big heaping pile of mud and with mud all around it, it's like you can't even see yourself clearly af after a while you ever been in a situation so long you start to forget who you really are or what, what you got into it in the first place? Some people have been married for so long and they're like, man, why did I marry this person? This, this was different at the beginning. You get, this, just life gets so muddy to where it's like you can't even see clearly after a while. And this idea of, of making mud pies is making the best out of any scenario that's difficult. Especially when it goes from bad to worse. And the only thing that can make or break 
the ending of your story is your attitude. Your attitude. How are you going to walk in it? I've shared this story before, but it's funny enough to share again. This last year. And when we first moved to San Antonio to start this church, I remember I was super stressed out. At a young age, but I have a lot more now. And there's, I think it was the summer of last year where I was walking our dog and I stepped in poop. Ruined my day. I was already in a bad mood. I was stressed out. And I stepped in poop. And I looked at my shoes. Oh my gosh. That's it. This day is ruined. There's no coming back from this. I was so... I was like, and this now. Now this. And I remember I, I was... That was already bad enough. Then my dog stepped in poop too. And it was diarrhea, okay? I thought, oh my gosh. This is God's punishment for me right now. And I was just, I was just, worst day ever. I was like, oh my goodness. And I was, I remember sitting outside of our apartment with this little thing of water and a rag and, you know, poop is just disgusting. I hate poop. There's never been a point where I was like, oh, I love seeing poop. Especially on my shoes, especially on my carpet or on my dog. It's awesome. I don't even like poop on my baby, okay? <laughs> and I was just outside the apartment door and I was so stressed out. I was like, on, on, and it sounds like I'm overreacting, but it's not that the poop was so bad. It was just, it just went from bad to worse. That's all it was. I was already in such a hard, difficult time and now I stepped in poop. Isn't it the, like the last straw, the smallest? What is it, the, the hay that broke the horse's back? And fast forward, just six months later, I, I felt like God really was growing me in my, my spirit, my heart, my mind. And He's really given me a different perspective of life, things going on. I think it was, in, it was uh, like around November, December of last year. And I was walking our dog, same apartment complex, and would you believe it, I stepped in poop. But this time, when I looked, I was like, did I just step in poop? You know, if you, I don't know about you guys, like I said, I don't have that much rhythm, and so I stumble when I try to, I don't have the best balance, okay? I have a yoga ball, but I don't really get yoga that well, and so... Uh, when I was looking at the bottom of my shoe, I accidentally lost my footing a little bit. And with my other shoe, I stepped in another pile of poop. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. But this time, instead of having a mental breakdown, I was like, man, that's crazy. I stepped in poop twice. <laughs> I was laughing. I was like, man, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> and I was... The, the curb and you know like that one trick you know that universal method of scraping the bottom of your shoe on the curb while I was doing that I, I don't know how guys it sounds like I'm just really dumb but I'm not while I was checking to see if there's more poop there because I was wearing boots and so it got in the corner of the heel I stepped in poop again with the clean shoe <laughs> and at that point I was like man this is crazy like what are the odds of me stepping in poop that many times? And I remember I, did, I didn't feel a change in my day at all. I was just like, man, that's crazy. And I, it's going to just have to fall off on its own. Before I couldn't even get past it. Now I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to just have to wait for it to fall off. <laughs> I'm going to just have to get used to that smell just to, in the back of the room a little bit. <laughs> and see, just my a shift in attitude, I felt completely different from the same kind of scenario. And what I'm saying is that that kind of attitude shift means it happened in all of us. I need to have that an attitude shift still now. There's not going to be a point where I'm just like, oh, I've arrived. 
I still get stressed. I get I still get upset, but it's it's like a different level than it was a couple years ago. And just like you can tell in your life, the more that you grow up, the more that you grow as an individual, the kinds of things that that upset you before don't upset you anymore. Just think about when you were in high school. You know, adults can be the worst at sympathizing with the high school student sometimes because now that we're older, we know that those are not big deals. <laughs> we know that having a, a high school breakup is not a big problem at all. <laughs> and as adults, we're just like, oh, that's not even a big deal. Get over it. And we forget that when we were that young, it was a huge deal. And now, when, as we get older, even when you get to your 20s and you try to tell your parents about something, have you ever had a point where they just seem like it wasn't a big deal and you're like, man, they just don't understand? That's the number one thing, right? Like, well, the, sometimes people just don't understand. I think it's a point that they understand so much that they realize how little of a deal it is and you just can't grasp that, that how unimportant that is yet. Y'all dig what I'm saying? As we grow, our character needs to grow too. You know, we left off at Joseph being a handsome and well-built young man. He's blessed. And then the story continues. So, keep in mind, his family already messed him up. His brothers sold him into slavery. His whole, his whole idea of his dreams and visions being answered are gone. And now, he's making the best of the situation at Potiphar's crib. And it says in Genesis chapter 39... Starting in verse 7, and Paul looked at him, said, Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Every young guy's dream, right? His right? See, the only difference with Joseph is that he, he believed in God and he wanted to live a life that was pure. And, and beyond that, he knew that sleeping with somebody else's wife was wrong. Especially when that person has given him so much responsibilities, so many, you know, hidden blessings. And it says that Joseph resisted and told her, no, how could I do that to your husband who's been treated me so well and even more so, how could I do that to my God? See, when it comes to getting ready for those blessings that we're waiting for, what happens is our character gets tempted. Things that you believe in get tempted. And I think that everybody has different kinds of temptations. Maybe your temptation isn't your boss's wife <laughs> hitting on you. Maybe your temptation is different. But whatever it is, a temptation is, it, what it is, is the illusion of pleasure through compromise. The illusion of self-benefit through compromise. And I imagine that in our, in our purpose, in our walk, in this life, and finding our journey, there's so many different things that go against our character and what we stand for and believe in. Isn't that like the, like the moment in every like superhero show or movie? Batman gets tested to kill somebody when it goes against his, his moral beliefs. It, it would be so much easier to just give up what you stand for and compromise and then you'd just be able to get what you wanted. But there's a point where we have these beliefs and this, these ideas of God and we have this understanding of sin and, and purity and, and etc. It gets to a point where we know the difference from right and wrong. It's like the simplicity of lying. I mean, even as a child, you know that lying is wrong. Because God wrote a conscience on all of our hearts. You've never had to tell a child that lying was wrong. All you have to do is ask them if they're telling the truth. You ever see a kid freak out? You never even told them that what, what a lie was. Never had to teach them how to lie. And just found out one day, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
I could just tell my parents that I didn't draw on the walls. That's so much easier than having to tell them I did and getting in trouble. And the minute that the parent comes in, you've seen videos like that where the parent's like, did you do this? And the kid's like, no. No, that was, that was uh, the pink elephant, my imaginary friend that did that. I told him not to do it. I told him over and over, but he did it anyway. I told him, no, no. And, they, and they're like, it looks like you did it. No, no. The only difference as adults, we, we, start, we start being able to bear that, that weight of doing something wrong a little bit more. You notice that doing wrong has a weight to it? Just as much as doing the right thing. This, it's like when you do something wrong, it weighs on your heart. You can't even sleep at night. You're just thinking of it over and over. Your conscience is literally a witness against you. Pointing the finger saying, look at what you did. I think it's, it's amazing that Joseph kept his character and it goes to a point where Potiphar's wife over and over tried to tempt him into to sleeping with her to the point where she literally grabbed him by his robe and said, that's it, this is happening right now. And it says that Joseph literally ran away naked. <laughs> and the robe was left in her hand. He did a, a spin move. <laughs> Took off his jacket as quick as he could and ran out the door. And I could only imagine the indignation that she felt. <laughs> the anger that she felt. That this man ran away naked just to get away from her rather than just giving in. And so the story goes that Pharaoh was so angry with her, or with him, because his wife ended up saying, look, this, this Hebrew slave that you got tried to rape me. And it says in verses 19 through 23, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. Don't we have a lot of people's stories that follow us? Other people's opinions about you, other people's stories, their idea of what you're like. And it can taint who you are. You know, you only need someone to make a comment about you once to where that person doesn't see you the same anymore. All of a sudden, they're looking through a lens of how others have described you. It said, So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Joseph is just a teacher's pet. That's all he is, right? He's a favorite with his dad. Now he's a favorite in prison. He's just a suck-up. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Now, I don't know about you, but anytime this ever happens in a workplace, people are very indignant. <laughs> I mean, your manager has you doing all the work while he gets all the pay. That's not right. And here the Bible is saying that it's a blessing? You know, that takes a lot of humility to do something that you don't have to do. To do something that somebody else should pay for should work for. And I'm reminded in this story about how Joseph is just doing what, what other people should be doing, paying the price of others. And I'm reminded of Jesus Christ and how the greatest humility he could ever show was when he died on the cross doing all the work for what we should have paid out, paying for our sins. And then it makes me see Joseph in another light. No, he's not, he's not a suck-up. He knows where he's at and he knows what he's doing. In fact, he knows who he is as a person. And it says that he was willing to serve others at the sacrifice of himself. And that that is what made him blessed. 
You know, I really wonder what it was like for Joseph when it says that God showed him his love in prison. What did that feel like? What did that look like? Makes me think, man, well, I should be getting some of that, but I could honestly say that I don't think I've acted as humble as Joseph has. I know that I've thrown up my hands a lot more than I've seen Joseph throw up his hands. When, when I don't feel like God answers my prayers, I get ticked off. Here, Joseph is, I mean, he ran away naked to get away from sin just to honor God. I mean, think about how embarrassing that was. Think about the other people that saw him. I mean, that's not something that you... This is a, a palace. That he's running through the palace naked to get away. Surely there's some people sweeping the halls, preparing some food. I mean, imagine what they start saying about Joseph. Look, he's streaking again. What a moron. Oh my gosh. I mean, think about all the humility that you take on. Even just, I mean, don't we have horrible nightmares of being naked in front of people? I mean, this is Joseph's nightmare in real life. Everyone's seeing him. He doesn't know where to go. He's been doing everything right, and yet now he's in prison. I mean, that takes some humility to still be willing to serve others. I think if I was in any kind of similar scenario, I'll probably be one of the most meanest prison inmates. I think that's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just have to punch the biggest guy here. <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm going to have to start making my own way. Maybe some of you guys are like that too, where if you don't think that it's going to work out or you feel like the, what you prayed for, what you've been expecting isn't going to happen, you start thinking, well, I'm going to have to just do this myself. Isn't that what we do in marriage sometimes? Well, they're not going to take care of me. I'm going to just have to take care of myself. Well, they're not going to love me. I'm going to just have to find love somewhere else. With work, I can honestly say that it was really hard for me to trust God moving here. And every time that I really believed that I was supposed to not take a job, I would take a job anyway. Because I would think, well, I'm going to just have to do this myself. If you're not going to help take care of me, God, then I'm going to have to just take care of myself. I, I don't need you. I'll just do this myself. And here, Joseph is, I mean, at what point is he taking care of himself? He's always putting others first. And God calls that being blessed. You know, I, I could only imagine what having an attitude like that would be making mud pies while people are still throwing mud at you. The more mud that comes, like, look, it's a pie now. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Don't eat it, but it's pretty now. (laughs) What I want to end on is this last point was letting loose. Letting loose. Look at your neighbor and say, just let loose. Sometimes we need to let loose and have some fun. Sometimes we need to let loose and have some fun. Even in the midst of all that mud, why don't you just find a little way to have fun in it? This idea of giving up control. The idea of giving up control. It's so simple. This simple idea was one of the most difficult things to do. I think one of the most difficult things to do, even just for a parent, is that the moment where you have to let go of control of your, your, your child. The moment that they start making their own decisions. I think about that sometimes with joy as a baby. And I'm around young people all the time. And I just think, man, the moment where I can't just tell my daughter what to do, that she's going to have to do it on her own. She's going to have to make her own decisions. Even for the students that, that I'm involved with now, the different ministries, There's so many times where I feel like they they end up liking me a lot better because I just trust them to figure it out. Normally when someone say, look, let's make sure, let's let's protect this person from making a mistake so much to where they're just on a short lease and it's impossible for them to mess up. 
It's almost like that's what happens in relationships with jealousy, right? When you don't trust someone so much that you keep such short tabs on them, looking at their phone, asking, who's that? It's this idea of control, lack of trust. And when we think about letting loose, I want us to look at Joseph. He has no control over his life. He has no control. As much of a hard worker he is, he has no control. Now think about yourself for a moment. You ever felt I I don't know everybody's story, but I mean project he is to be a prison inmate but given responsibility over the other prison inmates without getting paid for it. it makes me think about if that's the level, that's a really high standard to meet. And think about how even him, he didn't have control over his life. Now, do you think for a second, for a moment, the control that you think you do have in your life, do you really have it? Do you really have that control? Or is it just a perception that you imagine that makes you feel comfortable? Think about how many stories you've heard of, of corporate workers that worked their way up the corporate ladder. I've given nine years to this company and out of nowhere they get let go. They did all the butt kissing they could. Took on extra projects, all that they could. And out of nowhere, they lost their job. It's like those, those kind of situations that remind us how little control we really have in our lives. In fact, the only thing that we can truly control is our attitude. The way that we perceive things, the way that we look at things. It's the only thing that we can really control. And one thing that, that made the difference in my life to where I could step and poop one day and it ruined my life, where I could step and poop another day and it, it not even uh, changed my mood. In fact, I think, think it's funny Going from sad to laughing at it is something that my dad has really helped me to learn. It's going with the flow. Going with the flow. Now look, don't confuse me for saying taking it easy or being lazy. Joseph was one of the hardest workers of the Bible. But it gets to a point where you can't control your situations or your circumstances. You can still paddle the best you can, but you got to just go with the flow sometimes. It's times where if you're going down river and you're paddling so hard to get up, it seems like, yeah, but once I get up river, I'll be able to, to be at a better place. Well, what if up river there's less vegetation? What if up river there's less resources for you than down river? What if the river is flowing that way for a reason? What if you were to just wait a little bit longer, there'd be something better down the line? Y'all dig what I'm saying? So many times, we, because we can't see the end of the river, we, we assume that it's a waterfall. We assume the worst. Think the worst. And when we, when we allow ourselves to just go with the flow sometimes and trust that no matter what happens, that we, we can still trust in God even if our situation seems the worst. I mean... Think about what, what's one of the worst things that you can imagine. You know what? The fear that you have that you are trying to control so much. What is really the worst? And for me and my wife, we were having a conversation the other day. And, and we were talking about our finances. And, and we were talking about where we felt God was leading us and what we were doing. And, 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 and let me just, this isn't like an indirect ruse to take an offering call. <laughs> but... We were talking about it, and, and we're not this bad, but I was just saying, well, the very worst that could ever possible, possibly happen is that we, we wouldn't be able to pay rent, and we would have to move in with a family member. And again, I'm not saying that we're, we're able, we paid our rent, okay? We're, we're up to date on our bills. But we were just talking about it. I said, well, the very worst, you know, that doesn't sound as bad as it feels in my heart. 
To me, it didn't really sound as bad as how ugly I felt. And so often, when we're, we, we don't finish the thought, we think, man, what if this happens? What if this doesn't work out? What if, what if? We never finished the thought. When me and my wife did that, I said, well, what if the very worst that happened was we would have to move in with the family member? That's, that, was the, that was the finish line. That was the finish of the sentence. And then I said, but God is powerful. But God has our back. But we can trust in God. But the river just flows like this. We don't know what's at the end of this. Anything can change from one day to the next. And for you, what I really want to project for you is, is going with the flow. Going with the flow. I believe that when you do that, when you allow yourself to trust God, that there's a greater redemption in letting go of that control. There's a greater redemption to the blessing idea that you had at the beginning. Because this is how the story ends. It, it says that Genesis chapter 40, verse 1 through 4, it says, Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in prison where Joseph was. In the pl- palace of the, capta- the captain of the guard, they remained in prison in quite some, for quite some time, and the captain who looked after them. In this part of the story, people that were directly connected to Pharaoh were put Joseph. And Joseph ended up being a blessing to them, interpreting their dreams, to where later they ended up, one of them ended up going back to Pharaoh and was able to be used to, to when Pharaoh had a dream, he said, oh, you know what? I met this guy in prison that he could tell dreams. See, the very place that was a prison for, for Joseph was a position that he was placed to get some to his actual purpose. And see, the redemption of God is so powerful. The redemption of God is so powerful because what we just think is a blessing, what we just think is something good that we want for our lives, God changes it and positions it in such a way that it's not just something good, it's not just a blessing, it's our very purpose. It's our being. It's our everything. The verses that follow in in chapter 41 says that Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one is as intelligent or as wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court orders from you. Only I, sitting on the throne, will have a higher rank than yours. You know what's funny? From Potiphar to the prison to the palace, Joseph did the same thing every time. To where he was actually felt the blessing. He did the same thing over years and years. And his integrity was tested. His morals were tested. His character was tested. And what he thought at the very beginning of just being a dream that he had as a young guy ended up being the very purpose of his life, the very being of his soul. It wasn't just a blessing. It was his purpose. And what I want to project to you today is that God's redemption is so powerful. And even just this idea of God that we have, that just having God in our life is a blessing, just having Jesus in our life is a blessing, what if it was the very purpose of our soul? What if there's the very, the very inner being of our spirits is to connect with Jesus on a real, engaged level to where our whole lives are different because of it? I want everyone here to close your eyes and bow your heads. And we have so many burnt moments in our lives. We have so many moments where we feel like the dreams we have are dead. 
And this story is so powerful because if there's anyone that had his story die over and over and over, it's Joseph. His dreams had to be buried over and over and over. And every time that he thought he was going to arrive, that he was finally going to get there, he ended up taking 10 steps back. Maybe you've been waiting for something. You've been waiting for something. Maybe you've been waiting to get married. And every time you get closer, you feel like you meet somebody, it blows up in your face and you take 10 steps back. Maybe your dream is, is you're waiting for children. You, the moment you feel like you get close, all the fear takes you 10 steps back. Maybe you feel like you're finally on your way to your career, to your purpose, and you feel like you're going to finally be fulfilled, and all of a sudden something happens, and everything that you're putting your hope in is filled with doubt. You start getting afraid. What if everything that I was hoping for is actually a lie? What if everything that I've been waiting for will never happen? Maybe just your relationship with God is something that you've tried to trust in over and over and over, but you feel like you just never get to a point where it's real. If you're here today and you're ready to, to find that true relationship with Jesus Christ, you're ready to, to make Him your Lord and Savior and put Him in a place of purpose in your life. Not for this fake idea of a blessing, but for a real relationship with Him that goes beyond your situation or circumstances. If you're ready to put your faith in Him today. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hands. I see your hands. So if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And if you've already given your life to Christ, I want you to repeat this prayer too as a reaffirmation of your faith. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to trust you. My purpose is in you. I want you to be the Lord of my life and the Savior to my soul. I want to have a redemption story in you. I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for me on the cross, and that you rose from the dead. Help me to have a different perspective. Help me to make the best out of my life. No matter how bad it gets or how good it gets, I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name.